get ready for everything. Willie had one more thing. He's going to be singing at the pairing and homecoming too. So come out and support him on that. He's going to be a singing up there. Yeah. Oh. The sower and the seeds by the wayside. If you would, let's bow for a moment of prayer and then I'll close this out and we will begin with our lesson this morning. Father, as we prepare to break the bread of life, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your son Jesus and for this example of a lesson that he's going to portray unto us that is of vital importance. And we pray, Father, that our eyes will be opened, that our ears will be in tune, and that our hearts will not be hardened, that it won't be the wayside soil, but that we will be good, productive soil, and that your word today will sink deep into it and grow into fruitfulness for us, Father. And we ask and pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Take a look at one of the most well-known parables that Jesus did. The parable of the sower. It's been labeled at, and I think it's appropriate since we're going to have the homecoming coming up that we talk about evangelism and we talk about sowing the Word of God. You know, we've had a couple of opportunities for evangelism already this, this uh, last Friday. If you had a chance to make it over to the Edwards homestand, and by the way, I love the sign. I love the new sign that was out there. But they had the Wild Horse Ministries. And we was inviting all of the community to come out. Because they were talking about how to train horses in the principles of God. And I found out something while I was there. I had to leave halfway through. I shared it with a couple of folks. But my grandson pulled one over on me. He wanted to go. And oh, we, we dressed up like cowboys. And we went over there. And about... Oh, uh, probably close to halfway through it, he's sitting there and he, he'd broke his finger about two weeks ago and he was like, Papa, my hand's throbbing. Oh, it's just a throbbing. I said, it'll be okay. Just sit here and watch it and it'll take your mind. Oh, it's throbbing. Take me home. So I take him home. About 10 minutes later, he's in there with the football, throwing it up, catching it, jumping on the couch. And I watched him for a couple of times. I said, I thought your hand was throbbing. He went, it was, but it's better now. And he gave that little smile like, yeah, you pulled one over on me, feller. <laughs> you really did. But anyway, that was an opportunity for evangelism. And I found out something else, too. I'm just like a horse. <laughs> Most of the time, I'm stubborn. I'm backing that head up. I'm walking around, whenever you try to put that rope around me to draw me in, I want to kick around for a while. But just like the uh, Paul who was training the horse and talking about his life and about that horse, same thing with me. I found out that the more that you throw that rope around, it was all in their mind. The rope hit him, he wanted to run around, but after they would work it around and do their stuff, 
All of a sudden, he relaxed in the same thing that had him agitated and running around and kicking. A minute later, he was just walking around and following him everywhere and letting him pet, and he was real calm. Because the fear comes in your mind. And the Word of God takes that away. And I found out that I'm just like that horse. But Jesus told us about the importance of evangelism. And you might ask, what are we going to be doing at the homecoming? And why would I need to go? What's all of this about? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's about evangelism. It's about taking the Word of God as the body of Christ out into our community and sharing it with folks. This is our commission. And it's a matter of eternal consequences. Jesus told us about the importance of this. In the mission, whenever He arose and was getting ready to go to the Father and be on His right hand till He comes back again. And in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, He told them to go into all of the world to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. So we are challenged to take the word to every creature, to teach it to them, that there is an eternal abode of our soul, and there's only two places, the real you, who you are, what you think. There's only two places of eternal abode, And he gives the definition of those here. He that believeth versus he who rejects the word of Christ and will not submit to him. It is a matter of utmost importance that we share this message to the community, to people who do not know about this and do not realize what kind of predicament that they are in. Matthew, he recorded this same thing of Jesus in a little bit different way, because here Jesus told them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And then you teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And then He makes a promise to us. Lo, and I will be with you always, even to the end of this age. And that is our commission as the body of Christ, then, to take this message to the folks that we come in contact with, to continue together after they accept the message, in teaching to learn about what this way of life is as being a Christian, and what that means. Not only for what I should do and shouldn't do, but as we've been sharing, it's the importance of the promises that are for you. So that like that horse, whenever the rope goes over your back or goes around your tail, and I particularly like that one, because he, I was like, why would he do that? He put the rope under the tail and would lift it up, and the horse at first was just a bucking and a kicking and a running around, and it's a beautiful coat, by the way. He was beautiful. But he did that by the, with the tail. And, and the guy said, you know, you might think that's funny, but it's not. Because whenever you're roping, and say you're trying to rope a calf, and you start to sling that rope, and it catches on the tail instead of going, you don't want the horse reacting to that and knocking you off. So you get him used to it. And so 
All of that was trials and testing and pressure on the horse in a natural environment way so that he would learn to adjust that when they happened during your life that you don't have to react to it. You've already been through it. And that's what the testing and the trials of our life is. And that's why after we are baptized into Christ, we come out here each week and learn of these promises, teaching you to observe all of the things that I've commanded you. And part of that is, is to cast your cares upon Him. To, everything is going to work together for you. It trains us in life that we don't have to react in these kind of ways. So I thought that it was appropriate since we have this great commission of Jesus Christ, of what we as His body are supposed to be doing. What was the song that we sang this morning? You picked out another one that goes right along. If we are the body, why aren't His hands reaching? Why aren't His feet going? Well, here's our opportunity with what we're going to have this coming weekend at the homecoming. So, Matthew 13 then, if you are there with me. Let's start in verse 1 and read the first nine verses together. Verse 1 begins like this, that on that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell among the stony places, and because they didn't have much earth, they immediately sprang up because of the lack of depth. But then, when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns. They sprang up, the thorns did, and it choked out those seeds. But other seed fell upon good ground, and it yielded a crop. Some of it a hundredfold, some of it sixtyfold, some of it thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's why we always pray that every week. Let's have our ears to hear in a spiritual way. And I like to imagine as I begin to visualize this story, my wife, she's not into, don't tell her I told you this, okay? She's not here so I can tell you. She's teaching the kids, but I wanted to bring one of my boats out and set it up here and step up in it. She's not into all of those kind of figurative kind of things. She thinks it will detract from the message. I wanted to put my boat up there and and sit on it, and give the message out. But I can visualize that as Jesus got up in that boat, because the multitudes pressed him so, and he sat there and he got ready to teach, that he looked out, and the Sea of Galilee, still even today, is ringed with fields, because where the water is there, that the, fur, the fields are fertile. And so he looks out, and I just imagine that maybe there was a sower, that God had planted it, that just at this time he was there to give this message. And there was a sower that was out there sowing his seed and walking up and down through there. And so he looked and he said, Behold, a sower goes out 
to sow his seeds and he starts to begin to make the spiritual applications. And I can see that he has the leather bag or maybe it was part of his dress that they had with those robes that had seed in it. And he would be going and he'd be scattering those seeds onto the ground. And I wonder what type of seeds he was sowing. If it was wheat or barley or corn, what was it that he was sowing? We will find out in a moment. But he would grab in and he would spread those out. And so the spiritual application for him that hears, you know what? You and I are sowers of the seed. You and I is going to have an opportunity not only every day with the people that we come in contact with, but this next weekend to make a big impact upon this community. To sow the seed of the word of God. Is it tomatoes and peppers and squash? No. It's his word. And our great commission is to teach about Jesus Christ. And so if I want to look at what is the greatest seed that I could sow, do I want to talk about doctrines? Do I want to? No. What was it that Paul said when he was talking to the Corinthians and he said, whenever I came unto you, what did I do? Chapter 2, 1 and 2, he said, Brethren, when I came to you and began teaching you, I didn't come with excellency of speech. I didn't try to prove to you philosophies of men. But I came to you with one thing from the testimony of God. And that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Don't let people get you talking about a lot of other things and off track. Those who need the seed need one seed. The gospel. They need to know about Jesus Christ and Him crucified and nothing else. That's going to be the seed that we sowed. Now... They really need to hear this gospel message. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, where he said this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preach to you, which you have received, and therein we stand. And he says, By which also you are saved, if You hold fast to the word that I have preached unto you and you don't believe in vain. Because I delivered to you first of all, of utmost importance, what I have received. The message that was given me to tell you was this. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he arose again on the third day again according to the scriptures, to the plan of God. And that is the message that he says that we are to sow. That is the seed that we are going to share with folks. And that's it. And you get to them and you ask, do you believe in this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and God raised him again? And if so, then we're ready to ask them, are you willing to make that statement in what we opened with in the Great Commission? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and then teach them all things that they are supposed to be doing. And what I thought we'd do since we have that booth, that if there was somebody who was willing to accept the gospel message, I think pretty close right across to us is the fire department dunk tank. And I was going to talk to Rick, and then I'm going to talk to Will and Sally, and I'm going to say, if there's folks that immediately want to do that, could we use that? Wouldn't that be great to put them up there and say, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes, I do. Then we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and push the button and 
down. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I think it'd be so great that we baptized more new people into Christ than firemen that got dunked by people throwing the ball to target. Wouldn't that be great? Man, I look forward to that. But we're to sow the seed, just to talk to them, to be an example. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's our part in this sowing of the seed, being the sower. Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians verse 20 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So, as though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We're to set a good example. We're to be Christ-like. We are God's representative. That's what an ambassador is. One who is sent as the personage of the one who sent it. We are an ambassador for God. And it says here that we are to implore people, to admonish them to become a new creature in Jesus Christ. And that's how we do it, in love and in peace and with the message as an ambassador. And then, that's pretty heavy. What, that, have you ever thought that you represent God and when you are giving that message to folks that it is though God through you personally is imploring folks to be reconciled to Him on behalf of Jesus Christ. That is heavy to me. And I can hear you thinking, I don't know how to do that. I'm afraid to sign up because I've never really shared the gospel and I don't know how to do it. Well, that's our calling. That's what we do. And I've brought some things to help us out. A friend of mine, he's a, he's a missionary with Time to Revive and, and uh, it's, a, it's a United States thing and they came through Bloomington about a year and a half ago and he was moved to be a missionary with that. And since I'm very familiar with him and with this message, I said, can we uh, use some of these? He had a stack in there and he said, here you go. If you're going to evangelize your community, I want you to have these as a tool. So what I have is a tool that those of you who want to evangelize, I got some here today if we run out. I've got more that I will bring up there to the booth for everybody who wants an easy way to evangelize, but you've always not known the proper way to do it. And what we have here is a wristband and a Bible. And there's five colors on this wristband, and there's a Bible verse on each one of them. And this New Testament has five cutouts, one, two, three, four, five, with the colors coded. And it goes through there. And all you have to do is, this is a great conversation starter. And what's that for? Oh, let me show you. Verse number, and just take them through it. Verse, let them read it. Say, read what number one says. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Wow, I didn't know that. Then you go to number two. Number two says that Romans 5.8, or uh, 6.23 all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the next one says, And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, I want to know more about that. Then you say, okay, number three. Read what number three is. And that's Romans 5.8. God demonstrates His love 
toward us in that while we were the sinners that we just talked about, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, He did that for you because He loves you. And then more good news. Go to the blue, the number four in the Bible, and you open up, and it's highlighted. All you got to do is open it to the tab, and it's highlighted and say, now read number four. It is by grace that you have been saved, through faith, and even that, not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Wow, I want to know more about that then. It's a grace message. Okay, number five, the green. We're ready to get ready to go. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is in your heart that you believe and you are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Each one of those is marked right there on that. And all they have to do is read it. And if you get that far and they are ready to do all of that, then all you got to say is Matthew 28 or Mark 16. Then you have believed, you've confessed, you're ready. Are you ready to be baptized to give that covenant relationship with Him? If they say no, don't, don't worry about it at that point because most folks don't come to the homecoming with an extra pair of clothes and a towel and ready to be baptized. <laughs> Most of them are there to grab a funnel cake and ride a ride. So understand, but then just say, but you know what? Come on up to New Life next week, and we'll take care of that. Or here's some numbers of some folks you can call, and you can give them my number. You can give them any one of us here. Say, call them, and they will share this. They will open the building. We'll get that done. But if not, we'll see you next Sunday. And that's all you have to do to be an ambassador for Christ. Let them read the five things out of the book themselves and then, and then take care of that. And then, <clears throat> I don't even know where I'm at now. <laughs> Whew, we got to go in here. Um, now we're going to apply these principles. Why they need to know this. You know, Matthew 13, if you're still there. Okay, verses 1, 2, 3, we, we started talking about Jesus and he talks about the sower, so and seed. Now we get down to verse 4. 4 through 9 talks about the kind of soils that we're going to find at the homecoming. The kind of soils that you'll find in your daily walk of life with folks and whenever you try to talk. Now, in varying degrees in those four types, but there's four basic types here. And... We're going to apply this to evangelism, but be it known as well, for our ears to be open here today as well, that these same four types are probably sitting in here today with us as the body of Christ. So, we are all soil and of category. Let's see what's going to be dealing with. Verse 4 says, As he sowed the seed, some fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Wow. Soil category number one. Wayside soil. Hard soil. The pathway is the wayside. It's being walked upon. It's like these paths through here. What they did. You would try to plow the fields. You didn't want people walking through your fields. Tearing it up. So there were pathways around leading to all of the different places of 
towns and villages so that you didn't trample through the fields. And so these wayside places would get trampled and packed down. There's not much rain, so it would become hard like concrete. And the seed that would be sowed would all of a sudden get blown onto this hard path and it would be rejected. It was so hard that it would reject the seed that was sowed and it couldn't burrow down into it. I don't know if you've ever looked. I started to bring sunflower seeds and start sowing them to you out here today too. And she said, I told you I don't like those visual things. But I was going to sow you some sunflower seeds. But if you look at those, you ever notice that about all the seeds have a pointy end? You know, it's got a pointy end and a round end. And even the little seeds like tomato seeds or carrot seeds, they got a pointy end. You know why? Because the Word of God's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It has a pointy end that goes in and starts cutting in. Those pointy ends are so that the seed can burrow into the ground and get, get a, a place to grow. That's why there's a pointy end. It's by divine design. Isn't that amazing? But this seed, even though it has a pointy end, it can't burrow down to find good ground. Because it's so hard of a walkway. That's scary. The hard surface rejects even the pointy end of the seed and doesn't allow it to go in. Then it says, whenever that happens, that the birds came, if you're still there in verse 4. And the birds was always around the sower as he is sowing because they realized... After all of these years, they had trained to know that some of that seed was going to be on this wayside, and they'd come up behind him and start eating it. It stops at code and doesn't allow it, and they devour it. Birds are the enemy of the farmer. I remember when I was a kid, you don't see it so much now, but whenever I was a kid, what did the grandparents have out in the garden? Yeah, scarecrows. Why? Scare the birds away. Because the birds want to come and dig up that seed and not let it grow. So you'd put scarecrows out there. See, it's, it still happens today. The birds want to come and get that. And I'll bet you'll never know what part of the meaning of the word birds is. Not just the things that fly, but it has a particular name. Fowls. The King James translation says the fowls of the air came to eat the seed. How many were here about three or four weeks ago when we was talking about Psalm 91? And it says that if you make your abode with God, if He is your refuge and your sealed, that He will protect you from the snare of the what? The fowler. Do you remember that when we talked about that? The snare of the fowler. Now all of a sudden, we've got fowls of the air that is trying to take the seed that is being sowed. That's getting a little deep for me. God's tying all these things here together that we've been studying. We didn't even realize He was going to do that. The fowls, the sources of evil are trying to take away the seed that you're going to sow. It's looking for the hard hearts. It's looking for the ones who's getting ready to reject the Word of God, and they're following you as the sower around to try to take away that seed and not let it get planted in there. It says that they, what? Devoured it. What did Peter say about the devil? 
He's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Hey, Willie, have a, have a seat, buddy, and we'll get that afterwards, okay? Folks are watching you. So, we, the devil is as a lion seeking whom he may devour, just as these birds that he are sending is trying to devour the seeds that is being sowed. And I can almost hear some of you, your minds clicking, going, man, seems like every week preacher gets to talking about unseen realm and about demons trying to take the word or they're trying to attack me and God needs to be your refuge and seems like he's a little bit overboard on this subject that he wades too heavy into those waters well first of all it's because I love you and I want you to know the truth I want you to know the truth what we're really facing out there in our battle each and every day that's Spiritual warfare. But, as I teach this, and you might think that I'm wading too heavy in those waters, I'm going to let Jesus then explain this parable to you. Because you know what? His disciples didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. So, later on, he has to go and explain it to them. They come and ask him for the interpretation of this parable, and he actually gives it himself. Look down at verse 18 of your text if you're still there. Verse 18 of chapter 13 of Matthew. And my Bible had a caption right above this section of Scripture that says, Jesus explains the parable of the sower. And it goes like this. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one, who? The devil, the wicked one. Some says the evil one. The wicked one, the evil one, whenever you go to sow the seed and you get it to the wayside as those who don't understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart so that you don't grasp onto it and the seed with the point doesn't work its way into your heart and your soul and you don't believe the word of truth. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. The wicked one, it says, comes and snatches it away. Folks, like it or not, we're in a spiritual battle. I'm not wading heavy enough into it. We need to know what we're facing out here every day. Jesus makes the point. You go to sow the word, guess what's going to be following behind you? The birds, the fowler, sending them out to stop and destroy the message that you're trying to give. Trying to destroy the lives of the folks who do believe and make them hard as well and turn what was stony soil or good soil or weedy soil or shallow soil to make it hard as rock again. He is there sending them out. The word for understand here, it's little... It's evolved to what we think we know about understand. But what that word means is that you heard something, you know what it says, but you reject it. That's what this word here means. It means that you heard that seed, but your heart is hard and you have rejected the word. And in the moment you reject the word of God... The birds are there ready to take everything away and devour it, it says. 
to devour what you do have, to make you hard as a rock. They hear the facts and they make a decision against it and the soil rejects the seed. And it rows off and the birds come in and swoop in. You know what the word for wicked one is here? Sunni Aimi. And that word actually describes the action of what's going on. It means the one who likes to inflict pain because it reveals the ultimate end of the one who rejects the seed of the word. This word means that that the one who is wicked is actually taking joyful glee in the fact that you are going to reject the word of God and you're going to be in your life that you live today and in the life of eternity that you will be like him inflicted with pain. And that's what the word for the wicked one means. And he is there to snatch away the word from you at any moment. When he detects rejection, he's able to come in and swoop in when you reject the word and to take it from you. Look at verse 19 again. The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. He's there to try to take it away from you each time. That is a scary proposition, folks. And that's why we must reach out to not only ourselves here and to keep ourselves sharpened, to keep our soil cultivated, but we've got to reach out to everyone who right now is hard soil, that is wayside soil, so that they don't meet that end in their life. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11 says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That is our commission. We persuade folks to believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. There is a place called hell. It is a reality. We don't want them to go there. So we persuade men because we know The terror of it. Jesus said it was supposed to be prepared for the devil and his angels. But the devil wants to take away the word from you. So that you join him there. We can't let that happen to each other. So we persuade men to repent and not reject. And the word repent just means to change your mind. If you've been rejecting the word. If they've been rejecting the word. Change your mind. And accept the seed and allow it to burrow into your life. And to begin to grow and bear fruit. Look again back up at verse 4 there in Matthew that we're at. As he sowed it fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. We're going to get ready to wrap this up. But the fowls of the air, the birds, is following wherever you're going to go. So, not only do we need to be thoughtful of the folks that we're going to be teaching this next week. But we need to be thoughtful for everyone who will be doing the teaching because they are also following the sower and he knows you're an ambassador for Christ and he knows that you need to be in some form or fashion not be a good representative. So lastly, since we've alluded to it a couple of times already as we've gone through our studies, I want you to see it this time. And I want you to hear it. I want you to 
Listen to Ephesians chapter 6. As we prepare to be warriors to win souls to Christ, this is what we need to do to equip ourselves and be prepared. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6 starts out, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, you need something. You need the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand the evil day. And having done this also to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. You know why he just said stand three times? I have a feeling that something's going to try to knock us over, don't you? If he's telling you to stand, and all of this to stand, try to withstand, and then upon all of that stand, then I have a feeling that I'm going to be tried to get mold over and knocked down to the ground, so I'm going to have to do some things. What is that? Therefore, gird your waist up with the truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness as you go out. Shod your feet with the preparedness of the gospel. And we have that. We've prepared ourselves. We've got a way to be able to present the gospel of peace. Above all, though each one of you take your shield of faith. For with it, you will be able to stop all of the fiery darts of the Wicked one, it says. Oh, doesn't that just go back to who's going to be following us and trying to take the seed? Your shield of faith stops all of the fiery darts and quenches them of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for the saints. That is what we're going to equip ourselves with this weekend, of which we are an ambassador in sharing the word. And as the worship team comes on back up and we get ready to close this thing out, let's be reminded this week, every week, every day, be strong in the Lord, stand in the power of His might and not our own, Let's suit up with proven armor. Remember, David didn't want Saul's armor because it hadn't been proved. He didn't know if it would work. This armor has been proven to work, so suit up with it. Gird the waist with the truth, and only the truth. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's our message. The breastplate of righteousness because you represent God. You're an ambassador for Christ. Shot our feet with the preparation being prepared with the gospel of peace. Never forget that you are a child of the King. You've got a helmet of salvation. Know that you're His child. Never forget that. What does it say in Matthew 28 and 20 that we're going to teach those people? And lo, I am with you what? Always. To the ends of this age. You're not alone. He's going to be there with you. Take the shield, take the sword of the Spirit. He dwells within you, doesn't He? The Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, guess what? Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world.
So take him with you. And there will be nothing to go wrong. And then lastly it's said to be ever present and persevering in prayer. You say, oh, I I may not be there at the fair. I can't get out. I'm not going to be able to share that message. You know what? Be a prayer warrior. I encourage and I challenge each and every one of us this week to be a warrior in prayer. Some folks might ask, I don't know what my role is in this. What does God got me here for? Well, guess what? If you can pray... You are the enemy of the evil one. Because the prayers of the faithful are mighty and powerful. And if you are a prayer warrior this week, not only for the soil that's going to receive the seed, but for the sowers as well, that there will be a big harvest for Christ, then a prayer warrior will do much more than what you can even imagine. It says, we didn't even get to the other three soils, did we? We'll save that for another day. But just in this one soil, it wasn't prepared, was it? Pray this week that God prepares that soil and that He removes the rocks, He removes the thorns, He removes the weeds, and He makes fertile ground so that whenever we are out there sowing the seed, it's ready to accept that word and spring forth. And maybe we will see a harvest of a hundredfold, or sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. And lastly, that section of Scripture ended with verse 9 saying, He that has ears to hear with, let him hear. So if you're here today, and any of this stuff may have applied to you, I don't know if it does or not, only you do. But if it is, I'm going to pray that you fix it. That word repent just means change your mind. If you've been hard wayside soil, you know what wayside means? Not only just a path, but Jesus is what? The way, the truth, and the life. So wayside soil is soil that wasn't in the way in Christ. So if you are wayside soil, we saw how that the evil one is constantly trying to keep you from changing your mind. If you're here today... And any of this applies, I pray that you do change your mind. Because you know what? Every day, the sower is going out and sowing seed. And maybe today, your soil is now prepared. Maybe it's been cultivated and you're ready to accept that. I hope so. Because all it takes is just a change of mind. To prepare the heart to receive the word of God. Let's pray. Father... We've tried to be faithful in presenting your word today. You've made a promise that when your word goes forth, that it doesn't come back to you void. So we pray that it doesn't, Father, that whether it's folks that are here today that needed to hear this and to prepare their soil better, or if it's for this week as we pray for those that we'll be reaching out to next weekend. That your word goes out and prepares the soil, makes it fertile, and ready to accept it. And as the birds are trying to take my voice away, don't let them, Father, but let's finish this out and do the work that you did so that it doesn't come back to you void. And that you are glorified in everything that we do this week. In Jesus' name, amen.